everybody and welcome to Non-Fungible Twins. This is your host Lucas and in this episode we're going to talk about influencers that don't want to be influencers any longer. Then we're going to talk about two new AI tools because we knew the last episode you really liked that part. And last but not least, all together we're going to hop on an airplane, fly to Japan and talk about the anime industry. So hope you're ready, buckle up and let's get the show started. Hey Mark, how are you doing man? What's up Lucas? I'm fantastic. How about you? Man, I am super pumped and ready for this podcast. So, Mark, nice. what do you got for us? Woo, get your kimono ready. You are going to Japan. This one is going out to all the anime and manga fans out there. And the weebs, obviously, as well. Ooh, we ooh, are going to talk about Mugibara. manga and anime, the industry, how the sauce is made, and Oof. some interesting insights. What sexy, about you, Lucas? Sexy. What do you got for us? All right. I'm going to talk about influencers that don't want to influence. Then Google mm-hmm. Bart versus ChatGPT4. And Ooh, last but not least, Midjourney 5 versus Adobe Firefly. For all those people who are like, what are they talking about? No worries. We'll explain all of these tools and, of course, the comparison. So, everybody, get buckled up. Mark, I don't even want to ask you. I'm just going to start it off because I'm pumped about this topic. So, Mark, right, what like do you know energy, so far go. about, of course, man, what do you know so far about influencer marketing? Um, a little bit. I mean, we have used uh, influencers in the past uh, for our company, Gazoom. Um, yeah. We used a YouTuber. So I think he's on micro level. So that means he has below 50,000 subscribers. And it's good. So you basically hire the person. They create some form of content and then publish it across their network, I'm just going to say. So they're following. Mm-hmm. They're basically yeah. um, broadcasting your brand or product towards their audience. This is what my definition is, and this is what I go. know so far. What do you got for me? So normally what companies used to do, they just go to those bigger influencers and be like, hey, mm-hmm. for example, Jim Shark, like, hey, I want you to wear my clothes. Um, yeah. And here are the clothes. Could you do some ads for them, right? And they wear it, promote it. And then, of course, the bigger brand hopes that they get a lot of sales from that, which makes sense. But next evolution was the micro-influencers. So micro-influencers are between ten to 50,000 followers. And like, why would ever anybody use influencers, right? Because to reach the same audience, you need like 20 mm-hmm. of them. But the benefit is of using it, like they have a way more engaged user base. So yeah. let's say they're just, because in the end, they're more re- uh, relatable. So if you know somebody like you can relate to, who lives like in a similar house or has similar interests, you can better relate to that person not too comparable to like an influencer who has like lives in a villa or a mansion and you're like man i just can't relate to that person whereas like if it's just a product for like a single mom for example or mom in general then you can of course if you can see that and relate to that person it's much better than like an influencer who has like perfect life um online um so yeah that's how the microphones work Mm -hmm. it's interesting i actually saw i saw it well i saw and listened to a podcast the other day they were talking about that yeah. and this was they were interviewing uh, uh an influencer as well and she was saying that some of her friends they live in a really expensive villa and they also have like a more normal house where they film all of their <laughs> influencer stuff so yeah it's all about relatability yeah. right because these influencers yeah, it makes make, total sense they make it finally and then they are not relatable yeah. anymore so they need to do yeah. something to keep uh keep staying relevant and uh, obviously relatable so it's very interesting. Yeah. 
So these influence definitely just like found it out because like, yeah, that's the most important part. Now, but the benefit also from micro-influencers is it's something mm-hmm. called the thunderclap. Yes, you Ooh. heard me. The thunderclap. It's an anime <laughs> ultimate attack. Exactly. It's a finisher. So it's a kamehameha of micro-influencers. So <laughs> what does that mean? Um, for example, if you go now on Instagram and you scroll and you see like somebody using a new product, right? Or mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. You keep scrolling and 100% or 99% of the time, you just forget about that product. Now, if you see it multiple times from different sources, you're like, yeah. hey, what did I just see? Like, man, it feels like the entire world is talking about this, right? Because you're following normally multiple micro-influencers in the same niche. And if multiple talk at the same time about it, you're like, man, it feels like the entire world is talking about it. And that's what people get like super into it and trying it out. Now, I think that's it, yeah, it's, it's super, super cool. Um, now, Mark, what do you know about UGC, user-generated content? Um, user-generated content, as the name implies, it is content that is created by users usually. For example, mm-hmm. we have a recording tool. So anyone that captures with our tool, let's say a game, Apex Legends, and then shares it across social media, um, yeah. that is user-generated content. So yeah, that's my definition. <laughs> Makes total sense. For example, we also had um, a YouTuber who created a video or a product review mm-hmm. of our free tool, and he published it. Um, and yeah, we didn't pay him nothing. We didn't even know it exists for like half a year, to be honest, until um, we like realized, oh man, where do we get all the traffic from? Um, and yeah, that that is one way. Now, though, what we've seen, because UGC just works so much better, like, because if you see an ad, you directly see, oh, it's an ad you scroll yeah. through. But if you, for example, open right now your Instagram feed, you see just like unboxing or people using it, like the jaw sizer, whatever it's called. They just like, it feels yeah. like normal people are promoting this. But then you see like shop now, you're like, wait, what is uh, that? Wait. Somebody's selling it? Yeah. It's like ahead. that sex chocolate, right? Yes, exactly. The text chocolate. <laughs> like, oh yeah, my God, my lipido was uh, so much higher after using. Yeah, well, sure. you want your girl to have sex with you. <laughs> Drippo. No, what I is bet. it called? Drop. I don't know. What I, I have no called. idea what it is called. <laughs> <laughs> but exactly, like that sex chocolate. For those who just listen, I was just doing like the uh huh, sure. Um, yeah, exactly like this. Um, that works because it's just like people. It's more relatable, and it works mm-hmm. nine nine point eight more times than normal advertisement. So that's why right now, the latest trend is that companies, like bigger companies, pay content mm-hmm. creators to create UGC um, yeah. and then just like use it on their own uh, social media. Because that's also one of the differences, right? Normally, if you go for influencers or micro-influencers, you want to get to their audience. But if yeah. you have already an audience, you'd rather use, for example, UGC or if you have a product that you're selling, right? You just do using it in ads. You literally just use UGC in an advertisement for, I don't know, whether it's a dog ramp or whatever. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's also how you get better conversion there. That's so cool. Interesting. Yeah. Alrighty. So enough of influencers that don't want to influence. Now let's talk about Bart versus ChatGPT4. Now, Mark, yes. have you seen the... Are you ready about to talk about that? Because I am. <laughs> of course I am. All right. So, Mark, what do you know about the Google announcement uh, five days ago in May 10th? I've read the cliff notes, but uh, yeah. tell me more about it. Okay. So, basically, to sum it up, first of all, Gmail gets a major upgrade. 
imagine um, you your flight got canceled. Now the airlines are saying, hey, um, here's a coupon. You're like, fuck, I don't want a coupon. I want to get my refund. Um, so the struggle is now you would have to type all of this in, uh, copy-paste the um, links, the reference, all this, yeah. et cetera. It super sucks. It sucks. Now what you can just write in the prompt, hey, I want to get my money back. And then um, Gmail will automatically just write the text, collect the information that were needed from the previous emails. And okay. here we go. Wait, so that works like uh, flight rights. So that means I can, I'm, okay, for those people who don't know, it's flight rights is a very popular website here in Europe. It's a service where you basically write all your flight information to and you get your money back in case your flight was delayed by over three hours, I believe, or canceled. Yeah. And then based on, well, based on the law, you are supposed to get a specific number uh, amount of euros for that and that usually takes some time you have to like like two three years because what they do is they bundle up all the complaints and then go with multiple people and sue the company yes so it doesn't work right now for this mm -hmm. but i can see it in the future that it's going to happen because in the end like right now it has already access um yep. now then of course it will be able to integrate later to other um, applications but for no it isn't but i mean the right now ai is like moving so fast maybe in the next month we have a special episode and we're like talking about it because i mean you see already um chat gbt passing the bar so the bar is in the us like to become a lawyer so they've been already passing it or the medical bar as well so that's really really impressive now yeah what I actually want to talk about right now is the difference between the two, right? Because people are like, oh man, Google Bart, um, is it going to trash ChatGPT? Um, so <laughs> sum it up, encoding, sure. encoding, no. Um, ChatGPT is, is much better still do. I mean, it also depends on what you willing or what you want to code. Um, in the examples that I was seeing online, um, ChatGPT like directly didn't have, you didn't have to nudge it in the right way, directly wrote you to do list app, et cetera. For idea mm -hmm. generation, now this is interesting. So idea generation, the category is like, hey, write a romantic novel. Ooh, 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 right? Um, <laughs> ChatGPT did well. Um, Bart did more like Mark and I, so like an eighth grader. So definitely not the, <laughs> definitely not the best one. So rather use ChatGPT for that one. Uh, similar with the poem. That's true. Um, and yeah, but the main difference though, Bart has access to like all the data that's happened like right now. So X live data, so directly access to the internet, whereas ChatGPT is trained on data up to end of 2021. So that's ah. still a major difference. So we'll see how it will develop. Do you okay, know ChatGPT will have access to the internet uh, at some point soon? Um, I'm not sure when, but I'm sure it will. Uh, I think it's just a matter of question of when, then mm -hmm. if. All right. That's cool. Okay, Next topic. You ready? Mid-journey? Uh, all right. All right. Mid-journey. Mark, what is mid-journey? All right. Mid-journey, I've used it a couple of times. Basically, it's a prompt-based tool that uh, is text-to-image. So that means you're typing yeah. a prompt. Hey, I want a black Labrador that is riding a Mustang and he's wearing a little brown hat that the pilots yeah. in the the 40s used to wear. Um, and then it just spits you out. It spits you out uh, four versions of that. You can also then define what kind of uh, style you want. Do you want a photographic style? Do you want a more modern style? Do you want an oil painting, et cetera? Make adjustments. Yeah. Once you have the four, you can either select one that you want to keep or 
you can be like, hey, select this one and make adjustments. And then it spits out four again, etc. until you're satisfied. And then you can just download it. That's what I know about Midjourney. I have no idea about the business model. I think it's subscription-based. But yeah. uh, I have not heard about Adobe Firefly. So, I mean, that was already doing... a perfect description for Midjourney. Um, it's actually accessible on Discord. And yeah, you have mm-hmm. like a free amount of prompts. And if you want to do more, you have to upgrade. Yes, to premium. Now, Firefly um, is basically a mid-journey just from Adobe itself. Um, mm-hmm. But to access it, you need to have um, like Adobe paying subscription. Otherwise, you will not be able to sign up for it. Now, it is pretty similar to mid-journey uh, when you can just like text to image. Mm-hmm. But it has a pretty cool other feature, which is called text effect. Um, so, Mark, check out the in the show notes. Do you have it open in the show notes? Yes, I do. Describe what you see. All right. The one with the Firefly? Yes. Right. So basically, I see a text, just letters. It spells out Firefly, but the letters, the font is regular font, but it has like uh, effects on like pizza. So it basically looks like it's filled with pizza. It's really cool. It looks like an entire pizza, like Firefly spelled yeah. in the pizza itself. That is so damn cool. Um, and now as an implementation, Imagine you're a product designer, right? So you're designing mm-hmm. a new watch. But of course, your watch is going to have multiple bands, right? One's going to be leather, yep. other rubber. The other might be metal or even gold, right? Now, with text effect, you can literally say, I want to have make it golden or make it like it looks like a gold chain whatsoever. Now, then you just click on wh- which item of the image and it directly changes to it. So... Yeah. it's like super super cool you don't have to um, design or render so many other things because you can just do it with texting so that i think that will be super super amazing um and yeah we'll we'll be able to for content creators to make it so much to make them so much more productive so i have to say like yeah, it that's super cool now mark on the other one comparing those two i've uh, below in our um yeah. Notes, tigers. you see four images, four tigers. Which one do you think look better? Um, and yeah, which one do you think is right. which? So the left side is very photographic. So it looks like yeah. they're actually just photos of a tiger jumping or running towards you. On the right side, yeah. it looks more like a painting. And there's some issues yeah. as well. The bottom right tiger has two tails and a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and three legs only. Um so the left one, I think, is Midjourney because it looks fantastic. And the right one, I'm guessing, yeah. is Adobe. Yeah, I mean, the the bottom left, the tiger looks like he's just about to jump at you. I mean, you can see also still, like, the paws has, like, I don't know, eight, like, like toes, eight paws. Like, whatever you call them. Yeah, yeah. toes. Um, yeah, it's just, like, but besides that, it looks super realistic. <laughs> it's, like, impressive how it can render it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure our art... Our, our teacher would be proud of us if we were like using this image. We're like, hey, maybe we would get That's a true. A plus instead of a D minus or a D to barely pass. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's true. But yeah, Mike, what is now our strong? Now talking about Tiger and Exotic, I think that's the perfect segue to get to hop on our plane to Japan. Um, so, Mark, tell me about Sounds the industry. Good. I'm I'm excited. All right. So first of all, art, amazing. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, we're talking about mangas and animes. So, I mean, Lucas and I, for the listeners, we love anime and manga. We read it. We'll read the manga every week. Um, multiple series, One Piece, um, 
then uh, Black Clover, etc. And we watch obviously yeah. a lot of anime as well. So this is a topic that goes to a heart. Super interesting. So I wanted to find out how does it actually work. Before I go into the detail of how big the market is, etc., I just want to go into how the manga is produced, then to the anime, how it works with the anime, how a manga turns into anime, a little bit of down, downsides, upsides, interesting things, and then I'm going to go to the market size. Does that sound good to you? It sounds amazing. I'm ready. All right. So, Lucas, how does a manga work? How is a manga created? Let me know. Just jump in. So, just a, a dude with an amazing idea and a pen. He starts drawing, and then Ooh. he goes to an agency and be like, yo, publish this. It's an amazing, amazing one with a superhero in it. No, I think, like, I think it just starts literally <laughs> just as a draft. <laughs> as a draft, and then they just go to a publisher and be like, hey, uh, I think you will like it. And then it will review it and then publish it. How is it? How is it really, Mark? <laughs> uh, I mean, like, I'm guessing that that could be a thing. Yeah, that someone goes like that. A lot of confidence. I mean, just... <laughs> could be, could be. All right. So usually it starts out with a mangaka. So mangaka is just the name of a manga artist, and that well, an artist that creates mangas. Yeah. Manga is defined as a comic book or comic that is in Japan, Japan based. Mm-hmm. Anime is the equivalent of a cartoon of the U.S. just in Japan. So just for the definitions to get them out. Then, all yeah. right, so this guy usually creates a manga. He has an idea, as you already mentioned correctly. Then usually what they do is they have to submit their concept or the one-shot to the publishing company. There's usually just a few large ones, Shuisha, etc. What these publishing companies are, they're basically magazines. So they're mm-hmm. sold out, uh, they're sold every week. And uh, you have this magazine the way you can be shown in. All right, so you win. There's three prizes usually. The, the first one gets a year, the second one in three months, and then the third one is just... Once in a while, you get uh, you get published. Then you're in. Perfect. Dream is on 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 goal. What are you going next? Now this is where it comes in. Now they have to hit a threshold of selling mangas to stay in the magazine. So now there's a lot of pressure on these mangakas to constantly perform. This gives leaves them with a grueling uh, schedule. So they work like crazy. If you go in the notes, actually, I'm going to share my screen with you. Yeah, share quick. Share me your screen. Um. You can see the schedule. So the schedule is intense. So they have only on Monday nights, well, Sundays to Mondays, they only sleep three hours. So Holy cow. I know. I'm like, what the heck? Sorry, I lied. Two hours. And most of the most of the things, Lucas, it's full of storyboarding. So yeah. you, you might think, all right, what are they doing? Drawing a lot? No. I mean, it makes sense. It it makes sense though. Like imagine One Piece, right? It is a uh, One Piece yeah. is over a thousand chapters, um, and then if you don't keep the story aligned, uh, people are just like seeing flaws in in the entire story and like holes. So it makes sense that they do a lot of storyboarding. But for me, it's impressive they even schedule their eating, like the eating time. Just like yo, no lunch yeah. when they're doing these days. Man, that is crazy. But it's also oh, interesting yeah. that they only draw like a few hours. Yeah, I mean, actually, manga is really, really quick to to be created. It's just yeah. uh, the keeping the story alive. Well, okay, for those users or listeners who don't know, um, One Piece is one of the longest and best and the best manga out there, mostly sold, and it's been running for over twenty years. So yeah. just imagine you have to keep writing and editing a story for over twenty years. So it makes sense that the storyboarding is so important. For sure, I mean. One Piece is just amazing. So, 
right. Shout out to our Gorda. Oh, yeah. Gorda. Lord Ishiro Uno. The creator of One Piece. All right. Getting back to it. So we looked at this. So as you can see, they already have not a lot of sleep, etc. And there's actually a massive problem in the Japanese uh, world. Well, so this way, Japanese working environment. So they have a Mm -hmm. lot of problems in terms of people working at least 80 hour work week. And they have this concept. It's called Karoshi. I don't know if that pronounced that right, but it's death from overwork. So, Lucas, how many people do you think are actually affected by this? Like, Man, percentage if it's if it's more than one percent, I'm like shocked because, like, from overwork, so not even like a burnout, actually dying from working too much. At, at risk, at the risk of dying, Lucas. Just the karoshi is just the ah uh, okay, 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 not actually okay. dying. <laughs> Okay, I was like, man, <laughs> holy cow, that's a that, that would be a huge number. I was just like, I don't know, that sounds. I'm just saying one percent, no, but risk, uh, yeah, like two, two percent, two and a half. It's twenty percent, Lucas. It's insane. It's what they actually? Yes, I know. Holy they released cow. a law in Japan to prevent overwork, and everyone that is caught yeah. um, working overtime has to pay a fine yeah. for it. And uh, I mean, the thing is, it's a collectivistic country. That means they prioritize the group success over the individual. Um, So that's why also they have some issues in that perspective. But I don't want to go into much on that detail. I want to go business, business. And I want to focus on anime now. Because we got the manga now. You released the manga. You have already, let's say, 200 chapters out. How does it go from manga to anime? Well, I mean, you have the rights. So you have the manga. So... First of all, you go to, I would personally, like Western thinking, I would go to TV and be like, hey, I want to produce a show of my, do you want to have it? And for how much are you going to buy it? Um, and when I say, hey, I'm going to buy it for, I don't know, like let's say I'm mm-hmm. buying the rights for one year for $2 million, um, and then I can go, go and produce it. That's how I would be doing it. How all is right. it though? Not bad, but usually it doesn't work that way because usually no. you're just a little guy. The 100 to 200 chapters, no one is really interested. So how it works is usually starts out with some form of businessman who wants to make that money. He, these guys yeah. are usually looking just yeah, for some boy. IP. Yeah, yeah, buddy. <laughs> They're just looking for IP, so intellectual property. Yeah. That they can turn into an anime. So this means a manga or a toy or a video game. So anything mm-hmm. that actually works. I mean, you've seen Beyblade. They literally created a show out of a freaking toy. It wasn't the other way around. They had the Beyblades first, oh, wow. first I think. Yeah, insane. I might be lying on this one, but I think oh. I'm pretty positive. And um, anyways, so we got the manga, got the businessman. He wants to make money. Next thing is he wants to reach a larger audience. So they create a production committee. All right. What is a production committee? It's a group of companies that will profit from the anime success. So they usually have a manga publisher in there, an animation studio, some form of distribution, marketing, production, funding. And weirdly enough, sometimes town tourism departments. Seems to be a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's super weird. But what? Anyways. But why? So basically, because they are showing also in some manga, some. Uh, I mean, I have no idea. Some anime. I, I'm for sure I've seen uh, something similar. Maybe it's when they show Tokyo. No clue. That's, that's could be. Could though. be. Honestly, no idea. So the concept of the also, form of the production committee is that you obviously want to mitigate the risk. So that means you mm-hmm. want to split the risk among all participants. So that means if some of them flop, you still have the numbers game, right? It's very similar to what you have in funding. I mean, because if you want to explain how does it work to how how do how does VC work? How does the VC work world? 
work. Of course. The um, world work. Yeah, Jesus. So let's say, imagine you have a fund um, or you want to raise a fund. So let's say we mm-hmm. want to do the non-fungible twin fund, right? I mean, one option would be just like put mm-hmm. all our private money in there. I mean, wouldn't be a big fund. I mean, what could we buy? Just a little uh, couple couple protein bags. Uh, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> or what we could do, we could go to um, to rich individuals. Um, and then let's mm-hmm. say we want to have a seed round, uh, like a seed stage um, fund. So we go to, they're called LPs, so limited partners. Um, normally they're, yes, um, wealthy individuals. Then we would raise, let's say, 10 to 15 million. Now, once we have raised it, we can invest this money or we should be investing it into, let's say, 15, 20, 25 companies, maybe sometimes even 30. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we have in total 10 years time till the fund dissolves. Now, the first yep. five years are actually just there so they can invest it. So you meet a lot of companies, invest in them. Um, and then the last five years, you're basically trying to harvest the money that you invested, right? So because in the end, after 10 years, you want to pay back all like your LPs, hopefully with more like higher interest rate or uh, yeah, higher returns than the normal uh, market would give you. Like if you would have otherwise spent in, um, like put your money into um, um, S&P 500, you should hopefully outperform, outperform them by a big margin. So yeah, exactly. Now, so, so anyway, so the concept is that you have 20 to 30 uh, shots on target and yeah. one of them has such an incredible uh, windfall for you that the rest don't matter. So because it will 20, 30, 40, sometimes 100x whatever you invested into and will thereby make your fund profitable. Same concept applies here to the production committee. It's just uh, diversifying the risk among a lot of parties so they have yeah. more shots in case they have the anime flops. All right, we got this also, now. Also, a good insight would be, or how people can better imagine that. Look, imagine at, for example, baseball, right? So yep. when you hit a home run, right? Oh, Jeffy How B many quote. bases do Jeffy you... Jeffy B quote. Yeah, so exactly. So if you have a home run, you normally go for, like, what, four bases, right? You directly make four points. Um, now, in business... I'm not if you sure hit a home if that's run, how, how baseball works, but yeah. I'm, I'm assuming at least you go four bases, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> all the baseball like fans were like, what are you talking about? Anyways, you go four bases <laughs> further, right? You're once around it, okay? <laughs> now, in the world of business, if you hit a home run, it's not just like four, just like you do 20 laps, 30 laps. That's the same with like, that's why like VCs invest in so many startups because those home runs, they pay for all the rest, all the bad decisions that are made, and it's the same for manga. That's at least what I'm assuming. Well, yeah. I mean, this concept is it's the same principle, yes, in terms yeah. of investing. It's just risk mitigation at the end of the day. All right. We got this down now. So next step, Lucas. We got businessmen. They're talking about basically everything, how they want to tell, tell the story, design the art, cast characters, all the little details. So this can take forever. So they're talking about maybe, I don't know, how long should the girl's skirt be? And the mangaka <laughs> usually has the final say. I know, insane, right? The mangaka has the final say, but honestly, the artists, they're like, fuck this shit. I don't want to deal with this. So they usually send a surrogate in there. Surrogate deals with it. That's it. Easy mm-hmm. peasy. Going to the next step now. After a few months, they're like, all right, let's get going. Animation starts. All right. We're shipping yeah. this off to the animation production company. 
starting off now. They're like, all right, how about we get some money? So they get in a flat fee. On the flat fee, then they have to be on time by delivery. This needs to be obviously a neatly polished product. And they have to mm-hmm. pay all the artists, which results in obviously very underpaid uh, artists. They get only paid $1.75 per frame. Uh, this is what I found. Wow. So it's actually uh, sucks. But uh, I think this is, this is in, in general. This is because you have so many aspiring artists that want to be in that position to be able to shoot at their, their goal, that they're willing to live in this and work for these horrible conditions where they work 80-hour work weeks and get paid much, much below I mean, uh, minimum wage. That's why you guess probably in some animes you literally just have like a scene or for a few seconds where they just zoom in. Exactly. Like they exactly. literally just have a bigger picture and then it's just like moving. That counts as a frame. Uh, exactly. Way exactly. It makes it much cheaper that way as well. 100%. 100%. But now you would think, all right, studios must be making bank. No. Yeah. These are actually just barely scraping by. Because what I forgot to mention or didn't mention before was that these production committees, only the ones that are on the production committee, only stakeholders that are on it, getting paid. Usually the production companies, the anime studios are not on there. So that means any, any money that is generated through the anime is not going to them. Yeah. They're just getting the flat fee, which is Ooh. basic bare minimum. That's it. Mm-hmm. So next up, we got this. We got this done. What does the industry look like, Lucas? We're going to the problematic now. Where is the money made? Is it industry? Is it more Japan? Or is it international? I mean, I'm assuming it's now. It feels like over the last two years, uh, especially since pandemic, uh, like mm-hmm. Netflix has been pushing a lot of anime. So I'm assuming like it's going more and more international, but before definitely just more Japan. Like I've, I've seen it around like, like first of all, Netflix and then friends are talking more and more about anime. So I'm assuming the last few years got more international. That's a, that's a very valid point. It's actually correct. So it used to be in 2020, uh, was still 56%, I think, was domestically of the oh, revenue wow. generated. And then the trend is more going to internalization, internationalization. It has a few uh, free reasons why. It's large distributor distributors like Crunchyroll or large streaming platforms such as Netflix. But they're getting yep. more and more anime content. And obviously also our generation and the younger ones are more and more into anime. Also, weirdly enough, COVID was a huge push towards anime because, mm-hmm. listen to this, because Netflix production, all the production companies for real world like acting, IRL acting, had to stop, mm-hmm. right? Because there was COVID restrictions. IRL is in real life. Exactly. So because no one could do anything with a mask on, etc. So it sucked. But anime, anything that's animated, you don't care. You can sit on your computer at home. So you can do everything oh, remote. Sure. So that means yeah. manga slash anime was on point. The production was going smoothly. And Netflix constantly leads new content. So they were reaching out and buying more and more anime rights. And that also mm-hmm. helped, obviously, to uh, bring anime more to the forefront in the last two years. And I mean, if you've seen the rise of Attack of Titan in the last couple of years, insane, right? Gone, went on Netflix and has become this sensation that everyone has watched and is very, very popular around, like, among all kids. I mean, and also one well, piece was uh, i mean one piece was 2022 the most watched series in the world like they yeah, have it on crazy. netflix now and um yeah it's insane really the new seasons as well no no, no just the old ones so they have their first ah, okay, seasons okay. um same with like crunchyroll only in some countries they have all seasons so it's like sad mm. in spain they don't have all yeah and it's Spanish subtitles right only yeah, yeah. and dubbed i, I like think it. as well yeah weird <laughs> 
That's why you're pirates. What? <laughs> all right. All right. We come back to the topic. We're getting off topic here. All right, Lucas, we already talked about it. The anime is done now. So yeah. how does it get actually onto the TV? What does it work? How does it work like? What do you imagine? I mean, I would assume that they just like go there and be like, hey, we got this. Um, we got this amazing manga. We want to, like, after we produce it, like, hey, you want to buy the rights? You want to stream it for a year? And then they, TV producers pays um, them for their content. Yes. They ask you how much. And you're like, well, I would like to have a million. And they're like, no, no. How much are you willing to pay us that we air it? So the good old Uno reverse. Yeah, they play the Uno <laughs> reverse literally. They're like, no, you. And they're like, how the turntables. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it's like, is that turntables or table turns? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is turntables, Lucas. You gotta say it this way. Yeah. That's the funny okay. way. That's how we do it on the pod. All right, um, on the pod. So, anyways, so what it is is there's this saying that anime is an ad for manga, and it's actually yeah. true. So they you have as an anime production company or in this in this case the production committee has to pay these uh, tv like these tv channels money so that they air this because the thing is this the anime is an actual ad for the manga as well as all kind of merchandise um yeah. books you name it video games all the licensing for the ip so if you've ever seen an ad for an anime that means you have seen an ad for an ad <laughs> Like, think about Good that. Good old mind blown. I've seen an ad for an ad, which hopefully makes money. <laughs> the adception. The ad. <laughs> no. It, it is intense. So anyways, so we get in there. Obviously, there's exceptions to the rule, like mm-hmm. the large ones, like One Piece, My Hero Academia, all this stuff. Yeah. But usually for the small ones, this is how it works. And uh, coming back then to the um, production committee, obviously, their goal is to generate as much money as possible with this IP. So that means they're creating merchandise, lines, uh, streaming services, Netflix, they're making deals, uh, foreign distributors, Crunchyroll, etc. Which is obviously can be very lucrative at some points, but most of the time it's not. And that also means who's paying for the most animes, right? If you have some indie anime, oof, man, the most, the best sold item for merchandise is a DVD. What? Wait, wait, did you say a DVD? Like DVD. Yep. (laughs) How much do you think it costs a disc with two to four episodes on it? Uh, well, if it's a collector item, it's different. I would normally say like 10, 15 euros because like, man, you can imagine you have a thousand episodes and you only get three or four. You have to buy a ton. So, but if it's collect, yeah, I would say 20, 25 maximum. 5,200 bucks. What? And yes. it's four episodes. Yes. So basically a season, that's 500 bucks right there. <sighs> That yes. is crazy. Yes, is exactly. Crazy. So, anyways, so that comes back to it. So, hardcore fans are carrying the costs. They're just like, "All right, guys, yeah. we got this. Jump on our backs." Mm-hmm. Which obviously makes it. It's a huge. It's a problem for risk, right? So now there's this this trend towards called minimum guarantees. So what they do is this anime production companies, mm-hmm. or at least the production committees, they're making deals with foreign, uh, like foreign uh, distributors such as Crunchyroll or streaming service. I'm like, hey guys. Yeah. Um, give us a minimum guarantee. That means minimum guarantee is when they give you a specific amount of dollars per episode that they stream. And mm-hmm. once if they reach the that revenue goal that they can generate with that series streamed on their platform, awesome. If they generate anything above it, the um, production committee will get paid all that money. 
that is obviously shifting yeah. the risk away from the prediction committee and also will then get make it much easier in the industry. But we again talked about it, right? The problem is the animation studios. They're poor as hell, man. They're like you and me, basically broke. So what are they doing? <laughs> right. Future is coming, but Lucas. We have the a lot of experiences. Exactly. We we paint experiences and coffee. Exactly. And back problems. <laughs> no, seriously. It's intense. So, anyways, so what's coming in the future? So we've already seen that Patreon, some of the studios are using yeah. Patreon. That means there's a way directly to donate to them. And some of them have actually bundled up together to creating mm-hmm. mega studios. One of them is called Anilog, like anime Anilog. And yeah. um Basically, they're creating thereby a massive um, content library. Because you've seen, Lucas, go on Crunchyroll. Are all your favorite anime on there? Oh. Exactly. Yeah. There's like only but like my, a few big ones. But in the end, that wouldn't help the mangaka, right? So all the animators. So, yeah, it would. Um, it, it would. Because the thing is this. With Analog, they are clumping all together. And that means they are the stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Because before, they were not part of the production committee. Only a few mm-hmm. that were super big, but the small ones weren't. Mm-hmm. With Anilog, they are the production committee. They can do whatever they ah, want. They're basically okay, backwards okay, integrating yeah. and and forward. So that way yeah. they have covered everything from the manga that they're producing themselves while creating um, all the way to creating merchandise lines to uh, streaming it on uh, different service across the yeah. world. So this is where it's going now, and that obviously means there's a huge, huge possibility for making a lot of money for these companies and obviously better working environments for the animators. That's amazing, though. I mean, I can also I see a future. It is. I can also see a future when you use uh, NFTs, at least the technology of it. So that then oh. also guarantees every time you stream, um, like you, like they get it, I don't know, like a hundred of a cent right or something like this directly to the creator itself um because also like also what is the biggest but the thing is I mean, the biggest problem is, is piracy right exactly that's what i'm saying right if you stream it and it's an nft because yeah. like everything else because that's the biggest problem so i mean let's look at um like how many books were sold right or something this of harry potter like what 560 million oh, i'm not yeah. sure how many my, you, you know you how many harry potter yeah, uh, five hundred. I think five hundred million copies were sold um, yeah, on of Harry Potter. But like, Mark, what are do you know? What are the like? How many like books were sold or like chapters were sold uh, for, let's say, One Piece? All right, perfect. This goes perfectly into the next topic I want to go into. Wait, what's the net worth of uh, what's her name? Harry Potter. Um, Jake her Rowling? name is yeah her Jake name yeah she's uh over a billion she's worth over a billion so all right all right. all right she's the Come. billy of the week billy of the week no no no, no. lucas we want to have the nah, next I think we don't have a billy. should be billy of the week <laughs> okay, we want to talk about category. top 10 mangaka lucas all right number one aisha or oda one piece lucas what do you think how many cops did you sell um oof 200 300 million because like the biggest, as we mentioned before, the like, I, I think I only bought like two or three books for Naruto. That's about it. Not even books. I mean, those comics, uh, well, mangas. But yeah, because most of them you just read it online. So I would say two hundred million, and that's already gigantic. It's already a lot. How much is it? Oof, you're off. Actually, five hundred sixteen point six million. Ooh. So that means sixteen million more than J.K. Rowling. Boom. <laughs> that's In your crazy. Face. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, and what do you think his net worth is, bro? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I would I would say almost close to a billion, um, like eight hundred million. She he must be a billion. No. I mean, it's the most popular manga anime in the world. No, it's not. So okay. it's not only the most popular in the world. This is the most popular in history. Okay. So, wow. And it is 200 to 230 million is his net worth. Mm-hmm. So think Ooh. about it. It's a fourth or a fifth wow. of net worth of JK Rowling. But yeah. he has sales-wise, just in terms of copies of the manga, almost the same or more, the equivalent. Yeah. But somehow he's only worth a fifth or something. So you see, there's so much more potential still, right? And this does not consider, obviously, merch, the ones that he sold. I mean, JK Rowling either. It's just Yeah, I mean, Harry Potter has also a lot of merch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so intense. So I think this one That's is crazy. super interesting. And uh, I don't want to go down What's the, number the two? list. But uh, yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Quick, we can. Give me number Dragon two. Ball? Give me quick number two. Dragon Ball. Okay. I'm right. saying like it, at least like, I would say also like 300 million copies sold or something like this. All right. 260 million. What's his net worth? Uh, then half so like a hundred million, 100, 150 million. Nope, fifty-five million. So he didn't Ooh, do wow. that well. Yeah. Well, I and mean, fifty-five million is still amazing. Like it's a amazing net worth, but at the same time, like it's Dragon Ball. Like exactly, everybody Everyone knows, knows, Dragon <laughs> knows Dragon Ball. Exactly, you're right, and this is the thing, right? These are things that uh, we are so familiar with, and everyone at least has yeah. heard of it or seen Son Goku yeah. and knows the character, but yet somehow. They're not in the higher echelon of net worth, right? Like 55 million. Yeah. That's a, I don't know, that's a seed round somewhere in uh, in Silicon Valley. This is net worth. <laughs> all right? That's, not a seed round, insane. but I would say series A, series B. But who am I? Well, all right, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I don't know. It depends on the hype, right? If you're AI right now, yeah. maybe. So, um, <laughs> no, I mean, the valuation, not the amount of round. That's what I meant. Oh, okay. But, okay. No, I mean, I think it's crazy. And I think this is some of the totally under, like, understated right now. And I think this will change a lot once they have the structure of the change coming up because yeah. there will, will be more flowing down uh, to the mangakas as well as the animators. And these are not animators we're talking about. We just talk about mangakas. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Intense, Love right? It. Well, this okay. is it for me, bro. I don't have anything else. I think that was uh, a little bit down on uh, our path on animes and mangas. On our Loved it. it. I loved Happy it. Happy to hear. All right, that's the pot. Catch you in the next one. Catch you in the next one. Peace. Peace. (laughs)